Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome to the PHLY postgame show here on the PHLY, of course, feed here as we get with you from home. PHLY Sixers postgame. Sixers take down the Orlando Magic on the road, front end of a back-to-back. I'm alongside virtually from with my partners here, Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner. Easy win for the Sixers over the Orlando Magic. Fellas, what's going on as we all snowed in? Not much. I'm doing well. Oh, I, for one, am excited to watch this video back and see Devon staring at the screen, waiting for our usual <laughs> countdown from right. Bree that we don't get because we're we're all remote. I hope everyone stayed warm today and That's right. did minimal shoveling. I, I did a couple rounds. I was like in classic dad mode today where I did shoveling early and then did shoveling around dinner time and it yeah. I did about the same amount of work, but it was less strenuous because I got ahead of it. So that's been my day, fellas. Well, I did it the opposite. I just waited till it all slowed down around four o'clock. It was still, it wasn't heavy. And, and you knew that it was still pretty soft as far as the snow goes. So I waited until it was pretty much done. Got out there, took care of the, the driveway and the walkway and all of that stuff. And after a while, I was just done. I was like, all right, enough is enough. Throw the salt down, get some food, get ready to watch some hoops on a Friday night stuck in the house. Let's do it. I think I went out there twice. Went out there once midday and then once uh, once when mm-hmm. it was done. Wasn't that bad. It was light snow. Uh, Devon's yeah. the only wacko who's like, I'm waiting until it's all, yeah. all in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, man. I was, I've done this too many times where I'm not going out there twice. Get one and I'm done. Well, hey. We get one here tonight from the 76ers on the road, but they get another tomorrow in Charlotte as the big fella doesn't play yet again in the fourth quarter. 36 points in three quarters for Joel Embiid. Just after a a start in the fourth quarter where they were up, looked like, uh uh-oh, this is going to be a a blowout 12-4 to start. Orlando goes on a 7-0 run to get back into it. They eventually lead after the first quarter, but the Sixers' defense then picks up. Even though they had caused six turnovers early on, they were turning the magic over, uh, but the defense then let up a bit, and Orlando really started to put on the Sixers, the bench playing really well for the magic. But then Philadelphia picked it up, figured some things out. 
They then turned it up, flipped the script in the second quarter, went to the half with a lead, never let up. And once again, Derek, Joel was phenomenal. He was 12 for 22 from the floor. Uh, didn't rebound and assist as much as we've seen, but they were scrambling trying to figure out how to stop him like most of the league has. Yeah, and you could tell this was going to be a good Joel game pretty much right from the jump. Uh, he was getting some real deep seals early on there. Uh, Goga had no chance in anything Joel was doing. He was giving him way too much space on the jumper. He was giving up ground inside. Embiid could get whatever you want. I think you'd see that pretty quickly, and uh, that turned out to be true. He ended up the half with 28 points on 14 shots. I'm not a math wizard, but that seems like pretty good efficiency there for the big man. Uh, and he, look, he's just really freaking good at basketball. I hate to steal a line from Tyrese, although I'm pretty sure we said that before Tyrese even got here, so we can lay a little claim to it. But when he's making those jumpers like he is, and he's shooting like something in like the 56% range on those mid-range jumpers, I mean, those are almost quite literally literally layups for him uh and he just he got whatever he wanted including an off the backboard dunk which is the kj mcdaniels dunk i will hear no argument otherwise but he was fantastic <laughs> you go you go with anthony edwards there on that one there there no you got to go with the obscure no. evidence that only the sickos watching this show would know right. absolutely tracy mcgrady is gonna beat the shit out of you the next time he sees you in person just he so is the know. historical reference for nba <laughs> when i'm on an nba podcast yes i will reference tracy mcgrady on this hey. show or on my twitter it is the kj mcdaniels dunk Okay. Well, <laughs> you say it's it for the fantastic Sixers. I would guarantee you more people know who Tracy McGrady is who watch the Sixers of than course. KJ McDaniels. I'm not going for the reference that's most known. You want the, well, obscure, that's the whole point reference. of a reference. 100%. Nope. Nope. The whole point is to appeal to the base oh, and okay. appealing with a barely played you know, former Derek was so proud of his shitty thing. reference that he had to bring it up again on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. If you say the KJ McDaniels dunk, there's only one dunk that could possibly be, right? Tracy no. Brady has a wide Incorrect. range. Everybody knows that. No, no. This is like a Trump argument that you're making right now. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting way, way off the, the beaten path here. Where I was going to say, I agree with Derek. He tweeted something at halftime. You know, I, I thought Orlando had done a lot of things right in the first half, right? Like they're, they're killing them on the offensive glass. They were playing hard, they're making like little extra plays in transition. They broke up a couple of, uh, a couple of potential fast break opportunities on turnovers. It didn't take particularly good care of the basketball granted, but they're doing all the things you need to do to beat a team that is, you know, we can be honest They're The Sixers are better than them. Right. So Orlando without Franz Wagner, doing all these little things to add up and to, okay, we have, we have a chance. And then Joel goes out there and scores 28 points and a half. And I wrote in the recap. I don't know if there's a guy I feel worse for in the league than Wendell Carter Jr. I feel like he's been on the end of just a ton of Joel beatdowns. Like when he was in Chicago, I think it's Joel dropped 50 on him in the, it was one of the COVID seasons. I, I don't remember which one exactly, but absolutely destroyed him. Destroyed him tonight. You brought up Goga. I mean, like, here's the other thing. Orlando clearly made a choice to say, we're not going to say, like, they sent some doubles, certainly, like anybody else does during a game against Joel. But this wasn't like, a, oh, we're going to try to force the ball out of Joel's hands and, and make the other guys beat us. They said, we'll play single coverage. We'll see what Joel does against it. We might stunt. We might, we might help at times. 
But let's see what you got, Joel. We have what the they had the fourth or fifth ranked defense coming into tonight, I think. And he just there was nothing you could do to stop him when he has that jumper going like that. He is literally unguardable. And I think people need to start considering that. I know we've talked about this is a great season, like all time sixer season, all time like center season. If you look at the scoring numbers that this guy is putting up this year, this is like Michael Jordan, Apex Kobe, Wilt Chamberlain type scoring from Joel and doing it in games where he's only playing three quarters. Like this is a per possession, the efficiency, the volume, every single thing points to we are watching one of the greatest scoring seasons in all of basketball history. And we can sit here and talk about, oh, is he going to do it in the playoffs? Blah, 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 like all the stuff that we're all interested in down the road. But right here and right now, we have a front row seat to what might be a historic season. And I hope that even when it's against, you know, the Orlando Magic, tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets, against teams that, you know, frankly, we don't think matter too much in the grand scheme of things, you are still seeing something special happen night after night. And I, I don't want anybody to take that for granted. Yeah. And I do feel kind of like it's such a shame that we've gotten so much into the only like wake me up when the playoffs start. And like, certainly you and I are probably a little bit at fault to this because when you cover this team, like how deep they can go, it's hard to avoid that conversation, but you do end up missing out on one of the truly great, truly historical seasons in certainly modern NBA history, but in NBA history in general, uh, and certainly in franchise history, it's really far up there. He has developed into, I mean, he he's having one of the best shoot, not only scoring, but best shooting seasons of the career. And this is where the free, free throw merchant nonsense can really lose the plot. Like we mentioned this a while back, and I'm pretty sure it's still true. If you took away free throws from everyone in the league, he would be the league's second leading scorer. And I'm not sure if that's, he might even be catching Luca at this point. But he is scoring in so many different ways, in so many different spots on the floor, back to the basket, face up, mid-range, three, getting the free throw line, which, yes, is a skill. Uh, he has been, and and by the way, adding all that into better double team recognition and better passing and shot creation, he's doing everything you could ask for offensively at this stage of the game. And you can't change the fact that this stage of the game is still only the regular season. You do still have to play that to qualify for the playoffs that's how the rules work so you do want to be able to dominate as ash we have a super chat coming in from ash pointing out that they're now 24 and 6 in joel Embi- in games that joel Embiid has played again i'm not a math wizard but that sounds pretty good to me it seems like they will win a lot of games if they keep on playing at that pace uh ash actually notes in his super chat it is a 68 win pace they are playing fantastic when he's on the floor and obviously he's a big part of that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good record update. Thank you, Ash, as always. And for me, as you, Derek said, you and Kyle sometimes maybe take it for granted a little bit. I know you don't because you watch it and you see it and you know what the greatness is. But for me, it was always you even having the argument of the disappointment of the second round exits where a lot of Sixer fans would get upset because of that, naturally, as you should, but decide that they're not going to focus on the regular season. And my thing was always you cannot fast forward the 82 games, take it for what it is and allow yourself to adjust when you get to the postseason. because guess what? 
you just might miss this exactly what you both were talking yeah. about where you have this type of performance going on and maybe we're a little spoiled because we see it so much and sure you don't get it in the postseason but when you watch it from afar and you see another player doing it you give it the credit minus whatever failures they may have had in their postseason respectively respectively themselves so watching it and Kyle you said very efficient 36 and 31 minutes in the three quarters 12 for 22 getting to the free throw line 11 times only took two threes one of you know making one and the other thing that I wanted to add to it when you were talking about what we are seeing I I was watching the Orlando feed so I was watching the Orlando feed and listen they interviewed Wendell Carter Jr. coming off the floor and Wendell Carter came in a lot of activity, a lot of energy, some offensive rebounds, some putbacks, some finishes. He was playing well. And the the uh, sideline analyst asked him, what are they doing so well to, as best as you can, try to slow him down? Wendell Carter said, look, it's a 300-pound man that can do everything and destroy you from every level, from face up, back to the basket, do everything that he is doing. And he was talking about how you can only do what you can do and try to make sure that the guy doesn't go off. And it's really, really difficult and it's almost impossible to do. Giving him the credit that Embiid was doing exactly, again, what we were seeing, what he was witnessing by being uh, having a front row seat running up and down the floor with him. So the guy was phenomenal. Uh, once again, it was only one stretch in the third quarter where I thought he was forcing things a little bit because it seemed like the Sixers were taken off. They were taken away. And... That's quite honest. Let's be honest. They only scored 21. It was a low scoring quarter for both teams, 21 and 16. There was some stagnant, some stagnation there from both teams and not a lot of scoring clearly. And he was trying to get himself going. Maxie had a couple of turnovers there early after scoring the, the first five. And that was it. Other than that, I, he was he was phenomenal once again. And he did what he was supposed to do. Now he rests for the fourth quarter, and hopefully he plays tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets. So I want to circle back to something because I heard this on J.J. Reddick's podcast. I want to bring it to our audience. There are six players in the history of the NBA who have averaged 35 points a game in the season. Only three guys have done it since the ABA-NBA merger in the 70s. Those guys are Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and James Harden. The guys pre-merger to do it are Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, and Elgin Baylor. And as always, with the Wilt part of that component, Wilt did it five different times, which is hilarious. <laughs> Nobody else did it more than once. It's yeah. all like the apex scoring seasons for the rest of these guys. For Wilt, it was a, a walk in the park. But we're talking about something that hasn't been done by a big man since 1964. But that That's the type of just the volume that he's doing this on. Take away the fact that he's doing this shooting like 55 to 60% from mid-range on some of these different you know shot ranges that he's taking them from, that he's doing it in less than three quarters. Like I, I still think for the season, he's – had a higher he's got more points than he does minutes played for the season which is just absolutely remarkable to me so just the scoring is enough on its own and like look it was not a, a all nba level defensive performance from this team tonight but i would say joel out of anybody was one of the guys who on the other end was dialed in as well so to be offering like the all-time scoring season 
get four steals and a half on top of that. Again, playing awesome, like great rim protection where you're cleaning up mistakes from the Maxis, the Ubres, the other guys on the team. To tie all that together, the team's winning like crazy when you're in the lineup. You beat really good elite teams like Denver, and then you play a team like Orlando. Like people get on Joel, they say shit like, oh, he doesn't play anybody on the road. And then they play like a good team of like an elite level yep. defense on the road. And he makes an absolute mockery of them. And that's part of why there's this perception. He plays good teams, like decent teams, and they don't look good because he is so much better than anything they have to throw at him. Couple a couple points there. To your point, the you know, Jordan the season Jordan did it, he did it on a 56% true shooting. The season Kobe did it, he did it on 58. Joel Embiid's at a 65% true shooting percentage. <laughs> now look, insane. the game has changed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point. Decision makers and coaches realize that three points is worth more than two points. Like the league has changed uh, and NBA is benefiting from that a little bit, but it is something if it was that easy, every like somebody else in the modern era would have been doing it under these new rules and these new philosophies. So he is not only scoring at volume, but doing it at an efficiency that has almost never been done in the modern NBA. Um, to your point though, with the, the magic, you know, again, there's a lot of all oh, Embiid's ducking and padding the stats because he only plays a bad team. Well, the magic came in with the fourth ranked defense in the league. And they'd struggled recently, uh, three and seven in the last 10, but that's in large part because they'd been on the road. They'd played eight of their previous 10 games on the road. At home, the Magic are 13 and five with a plus 7.3 net rating and a 108.3 defensive rate. They've been a really good team at home. They have a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. Um, Suggs is just a beast on the perimeter. That was a good offensive performance. And yes, we can nitpick, and I'm sure at some point in this show we will, the rebounding, some of the defense, but that was a game for the Joel Embiid to come in, completely dominate. Uh, it is yet another, you know, show that he's just absurd. He's just absurd. We can appreciate that. Yes, he is. And uh, guys and everybody out there, all the Sixer fans, yes, Jay, 65% Jay of the Jungle. You're absolutely right. Well, when you have a player like this and you want to make sure that you have something left over when their career is done, Maybe you want to have a trading card, something along those lines where you know that it could be something that you want to have in your possession. And where would you get those, Devon? Well, where do you get trading cards? Wheelhouse Cards and Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell and S47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shop Vintage Sports. Looking to uh, grade your sports collection as well? Well, Wheelhouse offers PS grading submissions. They also have tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. I heard Zach on the podcast with Bo on the Birds podcast talking about, and his son happened to make an appearance on the show, and they were talking about going to Wheelhouse Cards uh, yet again. So if you want to be like Zach and taking his son, stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. I'm just glad got- that um, that Reed 
Zach's son came in a couple minutes later because a couple minutes before then the conversation they were having was borderline inappropriate. I won't mention <laughs> anymore. If you were watching the Eagles show earlier today, you will pick up on what I'm referencing. Well, listen, funny. if Zach and his son want to go to a family-friendly and delicious eatery, they could also go to Bagels & Co., our friends who offer huge Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week, and Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels. They rotate seasonally. They had a Christmas-themed bagel, and those type of holiday event-themed bagels are worth checking out all year round. If you like cream cheese, and I certainly do, they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese that rotate throughout the year. We're a sports show, all right, guys? So at least sometimes we are when we're not talking about shoveling snow. And Bagels & Co. do theme cre themed cream cheeses. I almost flubbed that one. For all the local sports teams, including the Sixers, won't talk about the football team as we did not on the last show. Just as important as that variety is the affordability. And Bagels & Co. has kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. They even offer premium coffee to go with those bagels and cream cheese at a superior price to most national brands and chains. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest bagels and co near you. Well, fellas, Joel and beat again, phenomenal. And this one, Tyrese Maxey right there on his heels with 32 points. And he got up to a bit of a slower start there, but picked it up, finished with 17 in the first half, 32 overall, really got it going in that third quarter again with the eight points of so 25 through the first three quarters played a little bit in the fourth quarter, uh, three minutes and 59 seconds to finish with an extra seven to tack on there. Uh, but once again, phenomenal place. When you have that one-two punch of these guys going out there and dropping their 20s and 30s and even their 40s and 50s that we've seen so far this season. Maxi, Derek, you were talking about Suggs and his defense, his dogged defense out on the perimeter. He was really getting after Maxi later there in the second half, and that was because he started cooking again. Yeah, I mean, Maxi came out. Kyle pointed this out on Twitter. Um, Maxi's ability to just put a game out of reach has really helped Joel Embiid. What is this now? Like the 10th or 11th game he hasn't played in the fourth quarter. And Maxi came out and dropped seven in the first five minutes, took what was like maybe a 12 or 13 point game, extended it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, he was, I thought he was struggling early. And some of those threes that he took early, I thought were pretty good looks. They just didn't go in. Um, but he made up for it there at the end, ended up with, you know, what was he on the night? Four for 10 from three. I'll take that every time. Also want to point out with Maxi, the assist numbers weren't crazy tonight. I've been paying a lot more attention to not just where his passes are going, but like the location of when the ball gets there. I feel like anecdotally, and I'd have to go back through the tape to see if my, uh, my assumptions here are correct. I feel like he's hitting guys in the pocket more when he's making passes around the perimeter. Like I feel like when Kelly Oubre or Nick Batum or some of these guys are getting hit with passes. Not that Nick Batum needs much space or time to get a shot off anyway, but there's very little wasted motion after Tyrese delivers the ball because Tyrese is getting the ball where it needs to go. And so that's been another really fun part of his maturation process. But but yeah, the, the thing that jumps out is that I know we, we give Joel most of the credit for always oh, doing this in three quarters. There've been plenty of games right, where he comes out and they dominate through three quarters. And basically nobody has to play in the fourth quarter, really. But there have been a few of these that have been like tonight, 
a 10, maybe 15 point game that there's still some work to be done. We don't know if he's coming back in or staying on the bench. And then Tyrese just goes absolutely crazy, goes on a run by himself. All of a sudden it's a 20, 22 point game. And Joel's just on the bench waving towels and whooping and hollering, celebrating on the sideline. That's what they, it's one of the things they've been missing all these years, right? Like even last year when they had Harden, Harden did a great job of carrying a lot of bench lineups without Joel. At least like they're holding down the fort type minutes, right? It's it's James Harden and George Niang and Paul Reed. And maybe they're not gaining a ton of ground and going on big runs, but it's seesaw type battle with the other team. And when you have Joel Embiid, that can be enough. Well, for Tyrese to be in these minutes to open fourth quarters, and not just tread water, but actually drive winning and do it not all by himself, but it, it's mostly him leading the way. That might be the biggest difference between the version, this version of the team under Nick Nurse and any other edition of this team. Because it's always the, the problem you've always had to solve. First, we thought it was about a backup center. Then we move on to it's about the co-star and Ben Simmons and these other pieces. Whatever reason you think it is, the inability to win minutes without Joel on the floor has been one of their biggest problems in the playoffs, certainly 2019 against Toronto. The the plus-minus on-off numbers were absolutely staggering. It's basically the number one reason they lost that series. If Tyrese can continue this, they're not just like, a hey, we might be a fringe contender. They are a real deal, can go toe-to-toe with the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, the Denver's, the I guess the Minnesota's, the OKC's. They're going to be able to compete with anybody when it matters if Tyrese is this good that he can seize games like this in fourth quarters. He was two for eight um, to start, and then he went three for four in that second quarter um, and really started to – to turn it up. He was three for his last four. He got up to 15 points. He was getting to the free throw line. And that was a 16 to two run in that second quarter that the Sixers had. And a lot of that was courtesy of what he was doing. There was also one that I saw too, when you talk about the passing where instead of Embiid being the, the, uh, the role man for him, Tobias Harris was the role man there early on in the second quarter and he and Maxie working well there together. So it was a different wrinkle of always seeing Embiid being that one or maybe even off the bench, Marcus Morris being the screen setter and popping, not rolling as much Paul Reed to, to a lesser extent. But I thought that was pretty good to see where Tobias Harris is now the role man, give them something different to look at. And to your point, uh, he's he's become maxi very comfortable with that pocket pass where sometimes it's even a little nonchalant because of how easy it seems to him in the flow of the game you'll watch him sometimes he forces it a little bit and then other times it's just very very smooth of, of how he gets the ball there getting to the paint navigating the paint we saw a, a couple of games during the earlier in the week and before where hidden Kelly Oubre on that lob, right? One was blocked and knocked away, but I like the idea. It's the fact that he's he's looking, he's seeing the floor, he's seeing different things other than getting to the paint and always trying to finish, which he is very good at. But then he had another one where it was successful, where he got to the paint, drew the defense, and instead of floating it up, he hit his guy that cut to the cut to the basket and they got an easy dunk, an easy finish. And, and that's what you want to see from Tyrese Maxson. We continue to see the maturation of him as this guard, as this 
not just a scoring guard, but a guy who can run the team. And then to your point, be that second score there in the postseason. It's something that, that he continues to show game after game because he'll get off. How many times, though, have we seen this season where you said, yes, fourth quarter, he closes it down. But how many times do we see him struggle a bit in that first quarter, first half, figure it out, and then go off on these teams? He did it to Suggs and them earlier in the season because Suggs was playing well against them earlier in the season in their other matchup. And here he, here he goes again. He figures it out. He figures out the angles. He figures out the switches that they get on him. Uh, takes this takes the, uh, the the drive that he has available to him and, and does what he does once he gets close. You yeah. know what I think? He, I mean, Kyle mentioned the pocket pass. He had that pretty much right from the jump this year, right from the gate. You saw that. Um, and that was one concern in terms of, of surviving the non-Joel minutes that you were concerned about with the loss of Harden, and he quelled that right away as well. I just want to point out a comment from Brian Knight, mentioning that it was hilarious. They drafted two number one picks uh, to be a point guard, um, and they both didn't work out for various reasons and the number one 21 well, pick for the, the draft, same reason <laughs> various reasons yada 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 uh and number one tw- number 21 pick in the draft ended up being the best running mate drill and has ever had team building can be weird but it does i feel like it gets lost a little bit too much that they got that pick by trading markel fultz it is the most sixers way to get to a star player to compliment me you can ever <laughs> diagram out but they did it you know what is really striking to me in a game like tonight Joel Embiid scores 28 first half points and he is like absolutely rolling. And yet in the opening minutes of that second half, he was very intentional about trying to get Tyrese the ball and getting Tyrese going. There was a a play, I believe there was an offensive rebound and it ends up out to Joel Embiid. He's got maybe the most wide open trail three that I can remember him having. And instead of taking that shot, Tyrese had just hit another shot. He goes, I'm going to give him the ball. And he, he waves him over, gestures him for him to come over. They run a dribble handoff. Tyrese hits another three. And from there, now he's really off to the races. And I think the, the trust between the two of them is just at a different level than the other guys that I think he's played with. Because it's part of it is just that it's so easy for the two of them to play with one another. They can, as we've said a hundred times, they can run the pick and rolls. They can run the dribble handoffs. They do the the two-man game along the sideline that he used to do with Seth Curry and J.J. Redick. And Joel knows if I'm putting the ball in Tyrese's hands, he's going to do the right thing for the offense. And that might be a catch-and-shoot three that James Harden never wanted to take or that certainly Ben Simmons never wanted to take or that Jimmy Butler never really wanted to take, although he took it more than probably those guys did. So I just think the the level of connectivity between those guys is so clear. And I think that if you want to win at the highest levels of the NBA and in any professional sport for that matter, yes, you need to have the talent. You need to fit all together stylistically, all that. But really at the end of the road, when you're in the conference finals, finals type scenarios, it is about how much trust you have in those four guys that are on the floor with you to do what they're supposed to do if you do your job. Because the other team is going to take you out of option A, option B. They're taking away everybody's pet shot, pet play. And so the two leaders of your team being as in sync as these guys are this year, I think is absolutely critical. 
and they still have a few months to go before the playoffs start. So in theory, it could get even better between now and when the playoffs start. So I'm really excited at what these two are building because I think with the right additions, this could end up being you know, a special year, a special team. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Uh, and if you want to, to go to the playoffs, you'll want to make sure that you've saved a little money on the way. We all want to make sure that you get the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap, and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get your refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's quite a few playoff games you can go to. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. I wanted to add uh, on to that point that you make out which was uh, the trust factor because after Maxi scored the first five points in that third quarter, Maxi had two possessions where he had two turnovers and the one, he just kind of dribbled himself into a trap along the right sideline ball goes the other way. And, and uh, Orlando goes down and scored. He started to score a little bit, but again, two turnovers right there and Embiid on the one was calling for the ball so they can reset it and do that handoff that they've been doing so successfully. And normally we see him be when he gets really frustrated and he'll throw his hands up or something with his head and shaking his head. And even after a play is stopped, he'll go to Tyrese Maxey and say whatever he says to him. This time he just got back on defense, did what he did, and let them just play things out. And I, I bring that up just because of the, the trust part that you're talking about. He would have done probably something differently in the past. This time he did not do that. Maybe just an isolated time. And he, he might do it tomorrow if, if it happens where it, it doesn't work out and he has to say something to Tyrese Maxey. But that was something that I had noticed after he had coughed the ball up there two consecutive plays on, on those two possessions. And Embiid didn't do the throw the hands up because what are you thinking type of play. Was that, a, was that Louis we heard in the background? Louie is making some noise in the background. So he uh, he decided to wait to eat until after he was taken out. So he had like a 10 p.m. dinner. So now I'm going to get wild man Louie for the next uh, <laughs> few hours or so while we're stuck in because of the snow. So if you hear any barks in the background, you'll know where they came from. Uh, also thought, guys, in this one, Tobias Harris had 12 quiet points, but he scored those 12 in the first quarter where he was really going with Embiid. He was teaming up with Embiid to get things going. He finished with a, a number of, as I look at it here quickly, 3-4-11, but I thought he played much better, had six boards, got to the free throw line five times. When you talk about entry passes, I thought he had Embiid with a great entry pass that gave them a 20-15 to 15 lead. And B ran down the floor on the. I know the exact kind of, entry pass you're talking and about. He, yeah. he sealed. He sealed Gogo right there underneath the basket. He jumped up and drilled it to Embiid. Easy layup, and I, I thought it was. I was like, great pass right there from Tobias. Didn't hesitate. Didn't think about it. Just threw it and trust his guy. And B, why wouldn't you to just catch the ball and finish? 
And I just thought he was aggressive early on. He even got one blocked by Jalen Suggs a few possessions later in transition, but he ran through the entire defense, didn't wait for anybody. You know how sometimes Tobias Harris will look around, see who else is there because he's going to give it up. No, he just went right at the rim. It got blocked, but again, he put pressure on the defense. Great play. You give credit to Suggs for what he did. But I thought all in all, even with just the 12 points that he scored in the first half, I thought he played good. Yeah, I mean, it's another classic example of I'd rather live with that version of Tobias, even on a three for 11 night, than the guy who goes 0 for 3 and is just completely missing from the offense. Like, obviously, the volume's not going to be there tonight when Joel is burning the nets down in the first half and then Tyrese takes over and most of the starters are getting pulled as the fourth quarter wears on. But no real problems with them. And I think the last couple of weeks, as I alluded to the other night, have really showcased, you know, the defensive utility, versatility he has between defending centers, defending the the Paolo Bancaros of the world. Like I, I just it's a, he's going to be useful if he's still around. But you know, I, I know we have several trade related super chats we'll get to. I want to talk about one more player before we move on to the trade stuff. My well, guy, get my to guy. The Furious has been Quavion waiting for a half Smith. an hour. Terquavion <laughs> Smith. Come on, man. Yeah. Terquavion Smith finally gets on the floor. He is the only person in NBA history at this point to average two threes a game at 100% effectiveness. So I got to give him the max, I think, when it's when it comes time. But... Well, I believe I believe Joel's like the highest permanent scorer in NBA history. I'm pretty sure Turk just passed him. So Sixers have the top two. <laughs> I just like look. One, I'm happy for him because he has not. I think that's those are his first NBA minutes, right? Yeah. He's only been active for uh, a small handful of games, and the other two way guys have gotten some some minutes at at times already. So to, to see him, even if it's garbage time and even if the game is, is wrapped up, I'm just happy to see him finally get on an NBA floor to hit two threes and create absolutely unrealistic expectations for the people <laughs> who have been watching him in Delaware, but cool moment for him at the end of that game. And, uh, you know, just, they kept the game ball for him too. Did you see they kept the game? Ball I did not, but I'm, I'm very happy for Turk. I, that's yeah. all. At least, at least, uh, you know, at least the magic didn't win. So there wasn't a, a literal fight over the game ball. Uh, there you go. And hey, look, he, he looked smooth on the first one from the top of the key when he, he caught that pass and he was open. So he didn't really have to do anything against a, a defensive ball swung to him. And he was wide open, but it looked smooth. It was like, Oh, that's going in. And he nailed it right there and then came right back down and did the same thing. Well, look, he can shoot off the bounce. Yeah. There's no question about that. Shot. No question. Yeah. My guy Ricky Council got a point chats. too. So, you know, let's not let's not lose sight of Ricky Council getting a bucket too. Well, free throw. Sorry. Well, free throw. you do. I'm normally not like a, I don't call juniors and seniors that in the NBA most for the most part because, you know, I just find that a little bit gratuitous when we're talking about like Kelly Oubre but in this example make sure you make yeah. sure to say Ricky Council the fourth because just because the backstory on that is so wild <laughs> it is truly one of the great name stories in uh world history if you're asking me all right do oh, we want to get to some super chats, chats? yeah let's yeah. get to the super chats uh, all right furious had the first one this is circling back to 
the Joel conversation. He says, Joel could be the second player to average 35, 10, and 5 in a season. And Wilt did it playing 46 minutes a game. So to really underline the point that I made, but we're all making earlier, we are witnessing something just beyond special right now. Like, yes, other guys have done this volume. Yes, other guys have done this efficiency. There may not have been a time in the history of the league that someone has combined volume and efficiency with team-level ass-kicking through three quarters like this. Like the, This is borderline unprecedented. <laughs> Louie, I don't want to hear your whining, and neither does anybody on the <laughs> podcast, Funny, I know you're excited about Joel Embiid, but anyway, fellas, yeah. Joel, good. It's news at 11. Agreed. Nick Furious was right on the money with that one. This one from Dan Murphy. He says the only players that he would trade for are DeJounte Murray, Rozier, Markinen, Sexton, Bridges, and Dorian Finney-Smith. He notes that none of these would require Tobias's contracts. Then asked with draft picks, what is the most feasible trade? I think it, it first off needs to be said that like a couple of those players haven't even been rumored to be on the market right now. Like yeah. we talk about Markinen, but the Jazz have won like 15 of their last 19 games. I would be stunned if they um, did anything like that now. Now the Nets have sort of gone in the other way. The Nets have lost, what is it, like 13 of their last 16 or something. Devon would probably have that off the top of his head because he feels that pain every day. Who knows? You're, you're muted, buddy. And I'll be and I'll be watching tonight, yes. <laughs> yes. I still don't think they would make him available, but at least that no. team is going in the direction that if you are a Sixers fan, you would want them to go in. But so far, there have been no indication that either of them will be moved at the deadline. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, so yeah. of that list, I would say it's pretty easy to separate these guys. DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, Colin Sexton, Dorian Finney-Smith are not equal players, but they're all guys who are available to available-ish, depending on what you want to trade. And I think they're all guys who, if the Sixers had interest in both the talent fit and the contracts, which they're different between those guys, 
you could go get those guys. The two that are, and we've said this on the pod multiple times, the two that are going to be very difficult to get for various reasons are Markinen and Mikhail because one, Utah is playing really well, so they're not incentivized to move anybody right now. Certainly not the guy who's their best player and on a value contract that the league would get into a bidding war for. And, you know, even though Brooklyn's struggling and we're not going to ask Devon to be uh, our <laughs> sleeper cell agent or anything here, even though Brooklyn Yes, we is, will. Well, okay, maybe we will. But even though they're struggling, the word on the street is still, you know, they're sellers, but they're sellers of everyone else. The idea being they want to pair Mikhail with a Donovan Mitchell, maybe, or, or somebody else that they could be interested in as uh, a 1A, 1B, or a 1-2 with Mikhail in Brooklyn. So that's a situation where maybe if you bowl them over with a godfather offer, I don't know that the Sixers have a godfather offer that is going to get them there before February 8th or February 9th, whenever it is. I keep forgetting the date. So uh, I think everyone else on that list, except for Markinen and Bridges, is available. And I don't know. Is there somebody that jumps out that you guys want the most, given the price for that list? Well, just real quick, the Murray Murray's also been linked now to Brooklyn uh, from different reports that we've seen this week. So, just wanted to throw that in there. But I think for for right now, it's still, I guess it, it still is Dejounte Murray, depending on what the price is um, for the Sixers of that list that was just put together in the super chat. So, uh, Murray would still fit the bill depending on how much it will cost, what you have to give up. And if you don't have to give up Tobias Harris to the point, then that might be something. The same questions that were discussed on Wednesday show, whether it's the shooting, the fact that he buys into the role of being the third star, if you will, on, on this team. And quite frankly, that, that might be something too, because if Tobias Harris is still here, Tobias Harris is going to also think he's the third star uh, on this team for what he has done over the course of his Sixers career. So I would say right now it, it's still Murray until something else changes, until another name pops up. Because we still don't know what the Rozier asking price might be. And is he a starter or is he a bench player? And, and right now, the way we talk about He's not going to want to come off the bench. I agree He's with you. He's not going to stay happy in that role. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, so I, I would say Murray. So I guess my question is, why is Atlanta Bogdanovich not on that list? Why is someone like maybe Cam Johnson not on that list? Like if, if the um, Nets are going to be sellers, but not in the Bridges category, uh, that would be someone I would have a lot of interest in. I think some of the people that I have more interest in, because I'm still a little, like I agree that DeJounte would make them better. I'm just not sure. I want to give up what I think it would cost to acquire him. I would still rather make a couple of smaller moves. Um, although I'm not sure what, Cam Johnson's like trade value is. I might be, um, we'll see. Uh, but and he, would, and he's, he just signed that extension too. So four years, about a hundred million. Yeah. Um, which I think is going to be an okay extension. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, we'll see who else is available. Um, none of those to me are slam dunk. So, so I want to throw in there while you bring up the Murray piece, Derek, there was a report from, uh, Jovan Buha over at, the athletic today discussing potential Lakers trades ahead of the deadline. And, you know, Murray's been connected to the Lakers a bunch. 
he his report according to his reporting they have discussed frameworks of a deal centered around this is his report d'angelo russell jalen hood scafino and a 2029 first and there was follow-up reporting to that that was not from i I don't remember who this game one this might have been from mike scotto or somebody else that the Hawks wouldn't even be keeping Russell. Like they would be flipping Russell. They, they don't want Russell. So he's essentially just money to facilitate the trade. So when that when you break it down to that, if it's anywhere close to that, where it's essentially like this year's okay first round pick that the Lakers drafted, like young player, a 2029 first and salary matching. I'm in that's I'm in on that price for Murray. Now I don't think that's going to be the ultimate price if they trade him, but if that's the market for him, I'd do that deal and figure it out. Yeah, no, if it ends up being that low, I will readjust my stance. Um especially if you can do that while keeping that Clippers unprotected pick, uh then all of a sudden I get a little more interested, sure. What's the equivalent uh, of that when you talk about the players, Russell, his money, the young player? What's the equivalent here as far as the so roster? They don't really have young. Would you include Turk in there, Kyle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love my guy, Turk. <laughs> but, I would, but Derek brings up the right point there in response to your question, Devon. They don't really have a young player with value or with trade value, although Scafino hasn't really done anything for them. He's barely played for decent chunks of this season. So. I don't know that that's really, he's like a needle mover in the trade. So I don't know, maybe you could say, maybe they want Melton. You throw Melton a first and whatever salary you need to throw in there to make it work. But because Melton's an expiring and he's certainly not like he's, he's closer to being a, a like older vet than he is a, a young player. So I, I don't exactly know what Atlanta's going for here. Just wanted to throw that out there. That's all. I got you. No, it's good. All right. We have another, uh, yeah. Jay of the Jungle has another super chat. He asks us, Wendell Carter Jr. would look mighty good as a four slash five. How attached is Orlando? Is it a pipe dream? Well, he's now a backup. Um, Instead of starting, which he did for quite a while there, they decided to change things up. Mosley figured with uh, how they play with him coming off the bench with that other unit with Jonathan Isaac and Goga getting the start. And they swapped that too because Carter was starting for a bit, Goga was, and then they swapped back and forth what they were doing. Um, I don't, I think it would be a nice backup uh, just to answer the question. Would they be willing to give him up? I'm not sure. Um, what the right price would be for that, but he's certainly, certainly a, a nice player. That is probably a starter in this league. Um, I, I would think he's still a starter in this league in the right situation. But for whatever Jamal Mosley wants to do with this team right now, that's what that's what he's doing. He played twenty six minutes, nine thirteen for twenty five and eleven boards, and uh, Goga got in foul trouble a little bit with four four thousand fifteen plus minutes. If they could, which I don't think they will be, he would be a nice backup for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't 
think they would trade him for what Daryl Morey would be willing to pay for a backup, and I don't think he necessarily wants to be a backup. Uh, now, yeah. I do think you can put him at the four at times. Like, he shot, I think, about 36% from three on a pretty good volume. I think he had over, like, about one and a half makes per game last year. Uh, so he can definitely stretch the floor a little bit. You can put him alongside Embiid a little more than you could some of the other options. Uh, but I would be surprised if they ex- spend as much as it would take for Orlando to trade him. I also don't think the Sixers want to spend the amount of money that he's making over the next few years for a backup center to draw and be like, he's making 13 million this year, 12 million next year, about 11 in 2025, 26. So I know that Paul is what's Paul. Paul's at like eight something. If I remember correctly, eight to nine. Yeah. And even that is probably, you know, more than you want to pay for, Paul Reed slash a backup center in general. So, oh yeah, he's at 7.7 this year. Depending on how the playoffs play out, he'll be at around the same number and then 8.1 two years from now. So it's a, a not a huge difference, but it's a noticeable difference at a position where I think Daryl, to your point, Derek, his philosophy is like, if your best player is ever actually hurt, you're fucked. So there's no reason to spend lots of money on their, their backup. Yeah, although like ten million isn't crazy money. Uh, that's I mean that's eight percent of the salary cap. Um, so that's you know barely more than half of a mid level. Uh, I still think it's probably more than he would like to pay though. Yeah. Uh, you guys got anything else? Uh, Charlotte Sixers play Charlotte tomorrow. They defeated the Spurs one twenty four one twenty tonight. So. They'll be waiting for the Sixers to get there. Denver hands the Boston Celtics their first home loss, beating them by two, 102-100 at the Garden. It's a big one. It's all Jokic and Murray both went off, you know. Now that they're not playing their daddy, Joel Embiid, it's uh, it's a little bit easier, I guess. <laughs> Charlotte's um, actually all four, four of their five starters, 20-plus, Terry Rozier had 17 on seven of 18 shooting. So they got a, they got good performances from their starting five uh, in this one. LaMelo, 28-24 for Brandon Miller uh, in, in this game. So should be um should be fun one tomorrow in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're at least healthier this time. When the Sixers mm-hmm. won by 50 last time, it was uh it was like the, not even the JV <laughs> Hornets. It was like the JV to the JV. It's like the freshman team Hornets, I guess. I, I, yep. My dog is barking his head off downstairs, so it must be time to end the podcast. Do you have, do you have him locked time. out of the room? Is that why he's barking, or is he just no, he's, outside? No, nah, there's something going on outside. Okay. People have been shoveling and doing whatever. So anytime there's noise, he's like, the, I won't have that. <laughs> and the good thing about tomorrow's game, sort of just wrapping it up. Yeah, the Sixers are on a back-to-back. They're traveling. That's not ideal. Charlotte's on a back-to-back as well, so there's no real rest advantage other than the fact that Charlotte doesn't have to travel. Both of those games are at home. Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, and then you got the Pacers here coming up, the new-look Pacers, who now have both Halliburton and Siakam uh, in the lineup. Uh, so that will be good to see. And quite frankly, as long as Joel Embiid stops stuck in games, they do tend to win a lot with him, to be clear. Don't aggregate that. Don't clip that. I'm just making a joke. But as uh, you know, as long as he plays, they have a real good chance to win. As Ash he, points out, pretty much every show. 
Is he going to duck Victor Wimbanyama on Monday here? <laughs> as, you know, oh, man, that'll be, that'll be a fun one. I can't wait. Right, rivalry week it is, and they've never played against each other. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, can I do my shout-outs? Let's and do the shout-outs, man. I can go see what Pascal Siakam looks like in a Pacers uniform. Guys, I hope you're all staying safe out there in the snow. Thank you very much for being with us on a snow day edition of PHLY Sixers. Got to say, oh, we got a cat appearance too. (laughs) I just want to say she has been wonderful this entire show. Like she's been sitting here on my desk right next to me, not saying a word. So I just want to give her a moment to, uh, you know, a moment on the spotlight. Uh, all right so i gotta gotta shout out a lot of people jay the jungle dan murphy hypothetical man money mar elaine bruno who wants to see my dog i promise you there are thousands of pictures of louie available on (laughs) on public forums if you ask me again another time i will show you he is too heavy to pick up and put on the camera rick Sachs, ronald albright the two-minute warning our guy what up al Charlie Hendrickson. Oh, Austin Crow getting free pub once again. God damn it. <laughs> Remo K, our guy Haidar in Iceland. I'm still scrolling up, guys. Jeff Kane. What's up, Jeff? Furious was here earlier. I can shout out Derek again, technically, because Derek is a typer in the chat as we're doing the show. X-Man, Rich P. Uh, all right. I feel like that's enough. Yeah. All right, guys. Up, if you have not, if you have not before, subscribe to the channel, hit that bell icon. Ding. Oh, I was waiting to see if you had the real bell at home, Devon. <laughs> left it. You left hit the it bell the icon. <laughs> you, you will get notifications each and every time that we go live. And if you hit the thumbs up button on the video, it'll make me feel warm and fuzzy in the middle of a cold snowstorm that we've been having this cold. weekend. Everybody stay safe out there. We'll be back again tomorrow night for the Charlotte Hornets. See you, everybody. We all silly like the mayor. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.